You're listening to The Calling. Just as a reminder, you can catch every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods, and others. If you need help finding The Calling on your app of choice, send an email to the underscore calling at hotmail.com and we can send a link directly to you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, if there's things you want to talk more about or there's issues in the message I'm delivering, please send an email to the underscore calling at hotmail.com and I'd love to talk to you about it. Last week we finished up James chapter 2 and we discussed the importance of good work and how that applies to us as Christians on our walk. And as you might recall, when we started this journey through James, we discussed how chapter 1 sets the tone and provides a summary of the rest of his book. This week, as we begin chapter 3 and discuss the untamable tongue, we're going to reference some supporting scripture to really drive home the point that James is going to make here. As I've shared many times on this podcast, I'm very quick with words, especially when engaged in dialogue, especially when engaged in dialogue of confrontation. This is a very polite way of saying I'm a smart aleck or sarcastic. At times this serves me well, but other times, not so much. I mean, isn't it amazing how our words can be used? I've used words to communicate my love for my wife, my children, and Jesus. But that same mouth has used words to attack, lie, and manipulate. I remember my wedding day and looking at my wife that beautiful moment where I got to look at her and say I do and made that commitment to her. I also remember years later a huge fight and out of impulse I said you're being a real bit. Now if you're looking for a testament of God's grace hit me up I'll share that story because I'm alive today because of the grace and mercy he instilled in my wife on that day. Point is I've used words to advocate for the poor and oppressed as well as mock our leaders and cuss out of habit. My tongue can either make me look like a disciple of Christ or a minion of the devil. I remember my first job out of college. I was hired as a staff trainer for this agency. I was responsible for communicating all the required trainings and to ensure staff knew what they were doing. As a basketball coach, I'm responsible for instructing the team on how to play the game. As a parent, I'm responsible for my children knowing the expectations and ultimately setting the foundation of what it is and what they will use to define what a man is. Our words are used to shape the information throughout every interaction of our life. It's not just the content that's important. Back in the day, I had a red Chevy Cobalt. Well, my wife and I did. And one day, it wouldn't turn over, making me late. And out of frustration, I was mad and I hit the steering wheel and said, effing car, and went on my way. Now, I'm sure we've all had similar moments. I mean, we may not all cuss like angry junkards, but I bet you can think of times in your life where your words have helped lift people, but also times where you've lost your cool. Our tongue has the potential for so much, and it's no wonder it's directly related and referenced as sin and to sin and singled out in the Bible. Proverbs references multiple times, but particularly here where Proverbs writes, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I can't even begin to tell you how much trouble I would have saved myself, how much trouble I would save myself if I would just heed this advice. However, in 2020, I'm not convinced we truly understand the value and the weight of our words. James is aware 
And just as a recap, in chapter 1, James tells us to keep a tight rein on our tongue. And just in case you needed another example of how the Bible is applicable to us today, we're going to get a good dose of that right now. James tells us in chapter 3, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now I want to pause here. One of my biggest fears of starting this podcast is misleading anyone who's listening. Now don't get me wrong, I can talk with the best of them. I shared earlier, I was hired as a teacher for staff. And during my first class, I was able to confidently walk into a room full of people, some of which were employed longer than I had been alive at the time, and deliver the message like a boss. Why? Because I didn't care. I didn't care if they heard what I had to say or not. At the end of the day, all I could do was deliver the information. However, with this podcast, or whenever I find myself talking about Jesus, I care. And I feel an overwhelming responsibility to ensure I deliver the message as intended. I share this because I want to identify who the teacher that James is referring to here, and the responsibility here. I understand that he's referencing teachers of the word, right? And making sure... and. To, almost as a caution to those who are giving out false teaching and bad teachings we've discussed uh, several weeks back. But I, I want to I take a different look at this. I, I'm willing to bet that you, when you heard this scripture, or when you read this scripture, you think of your pastor, your minister, or whatever title our church leader holds. And that's not incorrect. But I want us to take a, a closer look at this and extend beyond the obvious role of that teacher identified here. For example, parents. We often overlook the importance of parents today. And this could be because of society's view of the family unit. But let's focus on who a teacher is. Scripture tells us in Proverbs 22 verse 6 that parents need to train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Webster tells us to train is to teach a particular skill or type of behavior through practice and instruction over a period of time. Paul teaches us in Ephesians 6, Fathers, do not provoke your child to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. To discipline is the practice of training people to obey rules or conduct of behavior. The Bible communicates some of us will be teachers by trade, But it also communicates we're all teachers in Christ. And despite what some may tell you as far as the hierarchy of of this role, our words build our actions that serve Christ and to continue to spread the good news. I wanted to make sure that although teachers are labeled here by name with this caution, you're not off the hook because you're not a minister or a teacher by trade. All right? So as we move forward in chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, we can make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but makes great boasts. 
Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Yikes. James goes out of his way to illustrate that our tongue is like no other creation. The tongue has the potential to corrupt the whole body and cause us to sin. Isn't that crazy to think that this little piece of flesh has so much power, has so much potential? Look around our community, our church, our country. We see the seeds of evil produced by this tongue all around us. And as I've shared before, we are being conditioned to believe it's all right to talk like that. It's only workplace banner when you're engaging about your coworker. They had it coming when we lashed out. We have a bazillion reasons why we use the words we use them and why and how we use them. And to really carry the warning here, James lets us know that our tongue, although small, controls us like the rudder of a ship. Further emphasizing our need to spiritually develop here. Closing out this section, we're going to pick up here in verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. We have made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James sums up this section in a very straightforward approach, which simply just communicates to us, you can't have it both ways. You can't praise God and then talk poorly about your neighbor. You can't speak truth, then lie. You can't claim to be a follower of Jesus and then curse. Well, I guess you can. I mean, technically. But we also know now what happens when we attempt to serve too. We're either walking with Christ, we're either being filtered and led by the Holy Spirit, or we're not. We've either given up control and allowing God to transform us, or we're holding on and trying to do it our own way. There's no middle road here. We're either with Christ or we're not. Our tongues are either speaking love or they're not. Last week, we discussed good deeds. And to relate it to this week, let's go ahead and take a brief moment and see what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 33 through 37. And Jesus writes, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit, you broad of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? From out of the abundance of the heart, that mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give you an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, 
and by your words you will be condemned. Okay, Jesus. He reiterates that good fruit comes from good trees and that we will all be held accountable for the words we use. He communicates the condition of the heart is what steers the tongue. And talk, and he draws reference to this justifications. The justifications that I have, I've used them. And last week I even shared, I still have them for past reactions. And on that day where I'm going to have to explain myself, I'll have my words to justify. And Jesus makes it clear here, that, that will be my undoing. you got to let go of that. We're not justified to speak evil. We're not justified to do evil. And as we grow in Christ, you're going to become more aware of this. And you will no longer accept the excuses you have used throughout your life. This season, we've been discussing your spiritual development. We've reviewed the various areas of your life that need to be cautious of and how to grow in Christ. This week, James calls out that dirty little mouth of yours. And by telling you that you can't have it both ways, you can't praise Jesus and curse your neighbor. You can't devote your life to Christ and condemn the sinner. You can't make that commitment to God and then speak harshly to your spouse. And the hardest part of this entire scripture is the realization that your words will directly impact those around you. As a Christian, you will never know when you will be a part of someone else's testimony. Whoa. Think about that for a second. As a Christian, you will never know when you will be a part of someone else's testimony. That's why it's so important. Our development is crucial in understanding the consequences of our words and actions. When I left that little red car in frustration and walked into my home years ago with that cobalt, a few days later, my son was playing in his own little red car, and I watched in amazement as his imagination was in full gear. Such a happy day. Right up until the moment he hit that steering wheel and said, effing car. Children are not the only ones who listen and pick up on our words. Which is why Christians were held accountable. And although James warns the teachers as the ones that will be judged more harshly for their words, as you develop more as a Christian, you're going to realize that James is talking to you. He's talking to me. This week, I want you to read this this part of Scripture. I want you to read James chapter 3, 1 through 12. And allow time for you to process this Scripture. If you're having difficulty with the words you use, or you find yourself constantly talking poorly about someone, or engaging in sinful dialogue, I want you to start to pray for God's presence, God's wisdom, God's strength, God's direction. Begin to make that conscious effort to start and alter the way you speak. Identifying those areas in our life you need to change. Repent, apologize, own up, say, hey, I'm sorry, God. I have not spoken love always in my life. And once you recognize and you acknowledge this area that we need to overcome, you're going to start seeing those times where you're able to do it. And this isn't just a speak it and all of a sudden, boom, there's your light switch and you'll never say another bad word in your life. That's not how this works. But you'll be more aware of it. 
You'll be quicker to apologize. You'll be slower to anger over time if you continue to stay with us and seek out God. Seek out the love of Christ in your life. God is calling you to tame your tongue. Will you answer?